Hey, hey, hey. What's good, fam? It's Tuesdays with Tawana. Yes, yes. Wonderful to be here. So grateful to build community one episode at a time. I welcome you to this sacred space where we share stories and experiences and we build together. It's not just about me and centering me. It's about us centering Black people, centering our experiences, centering love and joy, centering the ills of the world and what we can do to build community together to then obliterate these ills that are happening to us day in and day out. So I am so grateful to experience another Tuesday. For those of you who are new to this space, I welcome you. Uh, If you are watching on Facebook Live, feel free to comment add questions, your thoughts, your feelings, concerns, and I will insert that into this narrative. And if you are listening later on the rebroadcast or on the podcast, again, feel free to make comments. I usually go back and try to take a look at, you know, who's who's popping in later. Hey, Tony, no train for you today. You are here. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Ah, Tammy is in the building. What's up, my beautiful niece? Grateful to see you. Definitely missed you over the last several episodes. Um, So if you missed last week's episode, now I normally don't talk about myself, like big up myself, but... Last week's episode was just on and popping. I just, if you missed it, go back. You can go on to Apple, subscribe so you can get to the latest episode. You can go on to the Tuesdays with Tawana page. You can go on to my page. You can go wherever, Spotify, Anchor, listen. You need to listen to last week's episode to truly understand what is going on this week. Hey, Mother Carolyn, always a blessing to see you when the sage women are in the building. It is an honor and a privilege. Ah, my sister is there too. What's up, sis Maria in the building? What's going on? I'm glad you are here. Hey, Joss. My all, all of my beloveds are just rolling in. I'm so excited, especially since we got to talk about uh, Pleasure Principle Part 2. Um, this is continuing from last week. Again, if you missed it on last week, please, 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 I encourage you to go and listen. I encourage you to share these broadcasts as well. So we can talk about the things that aren't normally talked about in these communal settings. We don't talk about sex. We don't talk about mental challenges. We don't talk about diseases that are running rampant through the Black diaspora. We don't talk about um, uh, policing and 
uh, police brutality and racism, sexism, patriarchy. And when I say we don't talk about it, we talk about it here on Tuesdays with Tawana, but we don't talk about it in our gatherings in community. Um, it, it, we don't talk about it enough. It, I'm sure it's happening in some spaces, in some places, but we all need to be talking about it. And we all need to use a particular language that is going to inspire and encourage and move us to spaces and places where we uh, know how to respond to these ills, right? When we don't have the language, we tend to be silent. And then our silence makes us complicit or our silence won't protect us, as Audre Lorde would say. So we need the language, we need the wherewithal, we need the courage. So I'm not a linguist, but I do focus on language. Like my entire dissertation, um, I was very intentional about the language that I use, using language from a womanist lens, the fullness thereof, centering Black women and Black experiences for the liberation of all. In my dissertation, I used inclusive language. Everyone was they. You know how we list our pronouns sometimes, and I'm she, um, her, or someone else might be he, him, someone else might be they, them, because they don't ascribe to the binary thoughts and identities that we put out there. So knowing that language and being very intentional and knowing the language here and here will then help us to speak to and to speak against that which is um, causing us um, harm. Hey, brother. What's good? What's good? I got my eldest brother and sister on the line today. Y'all know I'm happy. I love my family. I love my family, my family, blood and beyond. I'm so excited. So so we use, we, we encourage this language, right? So last week, we talked about sex and sexuality and loving ourselves and loving our bodies and feeling ourselves. And we talked about that, not from a, you know, a per perverted um, stance. We talked about it from a sacred stance so that we can invite people into the conversation and remove the shame that is often attached to uh, talking about our bodies, talking about our sensuality, talking about our sexuality, talking about knowing what gives us pleasure, talking about whether it's sexual or otherwise, knowing our bodies, knowing what makes us feel good, what honors us, what brings dignity into this sacred space. All of those things are so important for us to know so that people will understand then how to treat us or we can show people, teach people how to treat us and how we deserve to be treated. Because many times we begin to believe the voices that are telling us that we are not good enough, we are not pretty enough, we are not light enough, we are not sexy enough, 
we are not uh, intelligent enough and we begin to believe that. But if we have a language that says otherwise, that says that I am a human being, I am a sexual being, I am divine, I am intelligent, I am beautiful with all that I bring to the table, we then can negate those things that are antithetical to the beautiful uh, life-giving things that we believe about ourselves. So it's so important to talk about language and it's important to acknowledge and identify this thing called pleasure principle. We know Janet Jackson had a song, um, popular song called pleasure principle, but we want to talk about those things that bring us pleasure, that bring us joy, that make us feel good, that don't make us feel like we are to dehumanize or or to minimize or to marginalize or oppress who we are and who we be and how we show up in this world. We, we, that's not life-giving. That is not what our humanity speaks to. That's not what our human rights that we're supposed to have, which are being taken away from us day in and day out, as we, leave, we live in these yet-to-be-united states, we are supposed to have human rights that honor us as full human beings with rights that are given to us, a right to learn and to be educated, a right to say what happens to my body, a right to practice religious freedoms, a right to be in community, a right to resources, a right to love community and to be in community, a right to vote, a right to speak life and to speak my truth and have someone actively listen to me to learn about me and to learn more than what they see. Because when police are using black and brown bodies as target practice, of course, when they see me, then they see me as a threat. They see me as a proposed, a, 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 they see me as a possible threat. And I am far from that because of the color of my skin. I might be a threat to you because I challenge your white supremacist Christianity. I might be a threat because you'd rather have AR-15s out on the street than protecting um, humanity. You want to talk about what I do with my body, but you're not ready to protect us from the womb to the tomb because of the color of my skin. So I might be a threat to you on that part. I might be a threat to you intellectually because I was raised in community. I was raised to know my worth. I was raised to know those things that bring me joy. And so I might be a threat to you about that. Hey, Miss Odessa, good to see you, my beloved. I hope you are feeling well. So I may be a threat in those areas, but I'm not a threat to your life. I'm not a threat to your livelihood. 
I'm, I'm not trying to take anything from you. I don't want anything from you because we can, when we come together, build our own communities. We can build our own network. We can build um, uh, better places to live and survive and, and, and to thrive off of those things. It's not just about survival. Like, right, I'm, I'm a breast cancer survivor, but I'm also a breast cancer thriver because I have metastatic breast cancer and I'm still here living beyond my diagnosis. So living beyond what we see and being able to define that and how do we bring that back into this pleasure principle? Because we got to know what we know about ourselves and about our bodies so that we can take care of our bodies. We can take care of our bodies physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. We can take care of ourselves without relying on other people to define that for us. But we gotta know. We gotta know even if I remember I was in class um, in seminary. No, no, it was in my PhD program. And one of the professors showed this uh, this video. And the video um, was about how people who own their homes are better um they add value to community versus those that rent that devalue community as if they're barbaric and don't know how to live. And I, I, I was so, I mean, I was so bothered by that. Um, first of all, because it was coming from white privilege. And secondly, you put just put a blanket statement on people who have not been afforded the opportunity to live in spaces and places that have good schools, that have supermarkets, that have life-giving entities where things were redlined, where we were forced to live in impoverished communities and forced to make a way out of no way and forced to eat foods that weren't necessarily good for us because of the way the communities were built and redlining happened and districts and lining and all that, all of that happened, not because of some um, ill that I don't know how to be um, a contributor, a, a life-giving contributor to society. Now, does that mean that everybody knows? Absolutely not. There are people that will, you know, I see in all communities, that will just throw trash out of their car window or out of their apartment windows. Um, I, I was talking with my, my brother um, and we were talking about how people will throw their personal um, hygiene items out, out of windows. And, and it just, I don't understand it. But when we build community and we build that language to be able to question, to insert a narrative that might be different from what they were taught or what they were used to or what was taken away from them or what wasn't given to them or they didn't have an opportunity or so we have. And that's how we build community when we build these conversations to learn about 
each other. Conversations are supposed to be inquisitive. Like we're supposed to inquire. We're supposed to be curious. We're supposed to have this dialogue that when we walk away, we have learned more about one another and we can learn to respect and honor each other. Hey, Jan, good to see you, beloved. Hey, my brother Donald, good to see you. Hey, Lorma, what's going on? Miss uh, Jewelry Maker, Lorma sells jewelry. So y'all make sure y'all look her up on, on Facebook, just like Tony, the beautiful makeup artist. Um, I'm wearing her lip gloss, by the way, um, for real, for real. Yeah, loving lipstick. So when we go back to, and I keep going back to this thing, this this pleasure principle, right? Because we we must know and love our bodies because clearly the 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 one percent, the white supremacists, the racists, they're not loving our bodies. So we need to learn how to love our bodies for ourselves and then to teach other people how to love us. What, what's my spot? What is it that makes me smile? Is it roses or is it tulips? Or do I enjoy um, a certain type of food? Whatever it is that brings me pleasure, I've got to know. Otherwise, somebody will define that for me. Because Orgy Lord says, if I don't define myself for myself, then I will be crunched into other people's fantasies of me and eaten alive. This is what happened when we were enslaved. We were crunched into other people's fantasies as we nursed white babies, as we were raped, as we were dehumanized, as we were forced to live in deplorable conditions, we were crunched into other people's fantasies as slaves, and we were so much more, and we were eaten alive. And we don't want history to repeat itself. We don't want that to happen now, and it's happening. It seems as if we're rolling backward. Our rights, our human rights are just being toyed with and played with and taken away because of some white supremacist Christian thought. And they're couching all of this under Christianity and it's a damn lie. It is straight from the pit of hell when you tell me that I don't have rights here in this country because I am a woman. It took forever for women to have the right to even have a say in their own home, to work, to vote, to be able to have decisions about their own bodies. And we're not talking about centuries ago. We're talking about numbers that start with 18 and 19, right? So we're not talking about things that we don't have access to or can't read about and can't relate to in this current age, day, and time, right? So now we're moving the needle backward. Hey, Amanda, it's hard to love our full selves and to love our bodies when some when society works, uh, works, hold on. 
uh, valiantly to 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 uh, oh condone self hate. Sorry, got on different glasses today, so forgive me. I can't see, but it, and it is hard because you begin if if somebody keeps telling you and in, and just keeps repeating to you that you are not worthy, you are not good enough, you are ugly, you are not intelligent, you are not worthy of this job or to be educated or to live a certain way or to get this loan or to start this business. Eventually, if you don't know yourself and you don't define yourself for yourself, you begin to believe it. So with that, if we don't love our bodies, then people are going to start to define what our bodies are good for and what they should be used for. And then you have mass incarceration, the new Jim Crow. Then you have uh, our black and brown body people, beloved, being killed by police or brutally beaten, or you have domestic violence where someone is may not think that they are worthy enough and they don't know what love is, so they think that it is okay for someone to abuse them uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, because we have to define who we are and whose we are so we don't have to put up with someone else degrading or demeaning us. Yes, society has made uh, us have an identity crisis, so we begin to um, alter ourselves. Um, the rapper, uh oh, Little Kim was just talking about this. And again, because society says you have to have a thin nose, you have to have lighter skin, you have to have an hourglass shape, you have to have a big booty. We already had big booties and some of us did, some of us didn't, but it was our booty and we should love it, right? We should love our breasts. I don't have breasts. I wear prosthetics. What does that say for me as a woman? If I didn't know myself, I would be longing to be someone else, looking like someone else and forgetting who I am and getting lost in the desire to be and to look like someone else and lose myself in the meantime. So in the me now I have to love myself. So there are times when I wear uh, prosthetics because I'll wear a t-shirt and this is how I want to look. And then there are other times that I don't wear my prosthetics and my t-shirt is flat and I have to still, I must love myself in the midst of being breastless and, and not being concerned about someone looking at me. Because if you're looking at me and you're looking that deeply and that closely to me to realize that I don't have anything protruding from my chest area, the problem is with you and not with me. So my pleasure has to come from me. My pleasure has to be when I look in the mirror, I love myself with everything that I have and all of my beings. Yeah, I could throw on some lashes. I could wear my hair up. I could wear it down. I could wear these glasses. I could wear my brown glasses. I could wear my red glasses. But it doesn't speak to the essence of who I am. So if I say that I am loving, I am a human being, I am divine, it then speaks to when I say I am experiencing anger and I am, if I say I am angry, then it takes away from the essence of who I am. If I say that I am 
frustrated, it takes away from the essence of who I am because anger, frustration, disappointment, disgust, all of that does not define me. What defines me is my true essence of who I am and the divine being that I am. All of those other things are a part of my experience. So I experience anger. I experience frustration. I experience um, disgust. I experience um, the disdain for racism that is happening and sexism and classism. I experience all of that, but I have to know me so that it doesn't, so I don't take away from my own self-worth and my value. I can have those experiences, but it doesn't define who I am. I grew up in Wagner Projects. Wagner Projects had like 42 buildings. Most of the buildings had 16 floors, eight apartments on each floor. So so we lived, it was huge, huge. And it was the projects. And there were times when they weren't as clean as they could have been. Things were going on in the stairwells. Elevators would be broken. We had to walk up to the 11th floor or some of my partners on here, the ninth floor or the 16th floor. But it didn't take away from who I am and and who I was becoming. And I had choices and the choices are rooted from who I believe that I am. And if I believe that I am worthy, then I believe that even this girl from Wagner Projects could go to college. Even in growing up in uh, with the during the crack pan uh, epidemic and and gangs and violence, we would be sitting on the bench and all of a sudden somebody will come running by us shooting. Even in the midst of that, I have to believe that it does not take away from my worth and my worthiness. We still dope, Tanisha says. In fact, it made us more eclectic because now it's like W.E.B. Du Bois with this double consciousness. I now know both worlds, so I'm even brighter. I'm even more uh, eclectic. I am more dynamic and diverse because I not only know what it is to live on this side, but I also know what it is to live on this side. It's like this, you know, this dual consciousness, this double consciousness. I know them both, so I can relate to both. I can love people from both. I can merge those two worlds and said, let us be great. Let us be great. And knowing who we are, knowing what makes us smile and laugh, what makes us experience anger, and that's okay. You know, as long as we don't let that anger take over our essence and we end up, you know, smacking the shit out of somebody because they done said something sideways. It might feel good in the moment, but the consequences, what are the consequences to knowing our worth? 
And knowing that we are worthy, knowing that we are loving, knowing that no matter where we come from, we have the opportunity to exercise that worth and to live out loud this dichotomous existence on another level, Tanisha says. Yeah, it is a dichotomy, for sure. It is a dichotomy. They're, they're parallel, right? Side by side. And we live in both of these worlds trying to figure it out. We are black folk trying to live in this white world that claims to be uh, humanitarian or humanistic or uh, claims to be democratic, claims to be, um, well, when this was created, it, it didn't include women and it definitely didn't include black people, that all men were created evil. It's not a uh, uh, you know, a shorter version of human, it's men. <laughs> Let's be very clear. Um, so, but knowing who we are and knowing our worth and knowing that we are better than anybody else that can try to define who we are because of our situation or circumstance, that is a part of my experience, but it doesn't define me. So when I love myself, I create a space for people to love me and to love on me and to be intimate with me because I know what it is to be intimate with myself. And even through the heinous things that may have happened to me growing up, um, I healing from that is acknowledging it and naming it and facing it and doing what's needed to be healed so I can go back to loving myself, loving who I am, who I was created to be, loving the true essence of myself and not letting anyone else define me as a hoe or a bitch or I'm not good enough or pretty enough or, um, you know, degrading me because of my sexuality, demeaning me or trying to redefine me because of my sexuality or proclaiming that I'm going to hell because I made this decision, that decision. Listen, truth be told, ain't none of us going to make it to the pearly gates the way we all acting right now. So let us not be judged. <laughs> let us not judge unless we want to then be judged. Right. So. We, we, hey, Elaine, we, we, we are called, this is the call to action, to love yourself, to look at yourself in the mirror. Maybe it's naked. Maybe it's looking deep in your eyes. Maybe it's looking at your smile. Maybe it's watching a tear run down your face and loving every ounce of who you are and what you bring to this world. Loving yourself, whether it is emotionally, sexually, sensually, mentally, physically, with the fullness thereof. Loving who you are, because once you love who you are, you have defined who you are and how you are choosing to show up in this world. And then it will begin to dispel the shame. It will negate 
the naysayers. It will actually diminish and reduce them to just mere rhetoric because language is more than rhetoric. It's an experience. It's a shared experience in community. And this is what we do here on TWT. We build community one episode at at a time. This is Dr. Tad with Tuesdays with Tawana. I love you dearly. Love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. So that others might love you and you might be able to love others. Blessings to all of you. Thank you for joining the journey of learning to love myself. Yes, Amanda. And I love you, sis, my seminary mate and friend. I love all of you. Thank y'all for joining. Thank y'all for rocking with me. And I'll see you next Tuesday. I'm out. Later.